Did you put the recording thing on? So I'm really happy to be here today with uh, Lama Surya Das, one of the foremost um, lamas in the Western world, uh, one of the pioneers of bringing Buddhism to the West, uh, you know, long-time practitioner, 40 years in the Dharma at least, uh, author of many, many um, books, many, many popular books, best-selling books, and most recently, Buddhist Standard Time. So we thought we would start our conversation with, um, with Lama Surya Das uh, by asking him a little bit about his own experience with long-term retreat. Uh, Surya, so yeah, I know that I think you did at least one in, is it two, uh, three-year retreats? Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience there and, um, you know, especially the, you know, what you think might be the pitfalls, uh, for potential pitfalls for somebody doing a long-term retreat and the advantages, the, um, you know, the benefits of doing long-term retreat. You're on, Lama. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in my van of sacrifice. <laughs> you, you started another three-year retreat right on the air. <laughs> just, just even hearing it, I just clicked into my other, you know, life. I, yeah. I never left. <laughs> As the one teacher Rinpoche said, a, a, a hermit yogi or a practitioner should never leave the warmth of their seat. <laughs> uh, you know, but what he's really talking about is the warmth of samadhi, not just like a warm blanket or a security blanket. And what he's really talking about is never straying from the view and authenticity, not just being a, a quietist. Yeah. But never straying from the view, meditation and action, you know, or the natural state. So I think that's a profound thought. Anyway, um, yes, I was fortunate to do two three-year retreats in France under my uh, guru, Kinsey, Dingo Kinsey Rinpoche, and other teachers, Nesho Kempo, Dijinpoche, etc. And Tukupan Murangya, the retreat master. And it was a really wonderful time of my life from 1980 to 1988. Cloistered, silent, monastic, you know, etc. Um, and I'm always wondering about how I kind of chewing on the koan or the conundrum of how to help provide anything near the immersion in this wonderful um, Mahayana Vajrayana tradition or just Buddha Dharma tradition like I got and my friends and peers and colleagues got how to provide that in any way to, you know for my own um, friends and students today. Of course, we do have a retreat center. We've had 100-day retreats five years in a row, and we had some one- and two-month retreats, and many retreats throughout the year that are shorter, but how do you help people experience that much emotion? So if you're a cucumber, you'll get pickled. You have to, the cucumber has to sit in the, in the sweet vinegar for like six months to get pickled, not just have a dunk. Then you're still a cucumber. So how to help provide any kind of emotion that the three-year, three-month, three-day traditional, you know, three-lifetime retreat, it seemed like, <laughs> provides. Not to mention how our lineage masters in the past, from Milarepa and Lord Buddha down to today, practiced for years and lifetimes, and totally sincerely, wholeheartedly, not just for themselves, but for universal enlightenment. Mm. So how to help facilitate people to ride that great wake, to be pulled along in the wake of those great vehicles, those great ships, those great arcs that the masters of the lineage are. And this three-year retreat's a wonderful thing. But personally, I really 
feel that today the name of the game is integration, not seclusion and reclusion, except for a very few people. Like, very few have the monastic vocation. It's a beautiful vocation, monasticism, if you are called. Most people, we need to integrate Dharma into daily life. Yep. And retreat and intense practice periods, like intense study periods and so on, are very helpful. It's good to go away to get something to come back and integrate into your daily life. But in the end, integration is the name of the game. That's where the rubber really meets the road, I think. What do you in think... Um, life today. And, we all, and, you know, in, in daily life, at home and at work and so on. So I'm a big advocate of that. So my students have asked me to do leave three year retreat, but I'm not. I always say I'm not ready for it. Instead, <laughs> you're not ready for it. Or, you know, I just feel like hundred day retreats might be enough, or three month retreats. Otherwise, you disrupt your whole life, and it's very hard to get back into it. I know a lot of people have done long retreats, or stayed in India or Japan in monasteries for a long time. They come back, they don't know what to do with themselves. Mm. People don't even know how to practice outside of those special environments. Yeah, that's a big downside. And there are worse downsides you can get into, you know, but that's just like more general, I think, for people to understand. It's not about quantity of time, but quality of awareness, practice, and intention and motivation to open the heart and awaken the mind, not just, um, you know, be in a cave for three years. Yeah, a couple and of. come out untransformed. Yeah, right. That one too. Yeah, it's not, re retreat isn't a retreat away from the world, it's a retreat to uh, sort of get ready for the world, isn't it? Yes, it's a training, it's like people go to medical school and study their butts off day and night, so they can become healers, I mean, theoretically, not so they can be studying day and night uh, for 50 years, you know, unless they're an academic, scientific type of person, that's fine, but they're not meant to be living those grueling 30, 40, 50 hour shifts their whole life, and similarly... It's very, very important for us, I think, to ratchet up our spiritual intensity and practice for some time, and then we really have something to integrate and iron out into every crack and crevice, nook and cranny of our daily life, alone, with others, at home, at work, and in all the aspects of our life, you know, physical life, of the body, and sex life, and also emotional life, and, and psychic and energy life, and spiritual life, you know, mental, intellectual life, it's all part of it. There's no part that's not part of the mandala of the great perfection. Mm. What would you recommend uh, for, for preparation for somebody who's going into a long-term retreat, three years or even less? Um, I would have, like to talk to people one-on-one -on -one very personally about this, you know, because mm. it's a little different. And it's coming from a slightly different place with small groups of people that have similarities. But in general, I think first it's good to be prepared and think about why you're doing it. People often ask me about doing it. I mean, often means like now and then throughout <laughs> the year. Maybe 10 people or 20 people ask me each year, you know, one at a time. And I say, well, where are you going to do it? Who are you going to do it with? You know, do you have a teacher who's doing it? You, you can't just do it. Like, where do you go to do it? Mm. Are you going to do it in your bedroom? Are you going to do it in a retreat monastery like I did mm. with my teacher? Or are you just going to take on any teacher who happens to be doing it? I, I don't, don't think that's a great idea mm. because it's, it's like a marriage. Yeah. You want to do dating first, a little preparation and a little planning and not just um, rush off because you heard about this exotic thing and then find out it's not for you. So preparation and thought and also look into motivation and intention. Everything depends on our motivation, like it says in the Mahayana scripture. 
Yeah. Low jigs and so on, the mind training, attitude transformation teachings. Motivation and intention is so important. And then also see what kind of three-year retreat it is. Is it a very, first of all, three-year retreat's a traditional Tibetan tradition. But some some are in Tibetan language, some are in English, um, some are in French or wherever because they do it in those countries or German. I don't know. They've been in Denmark. There's one in Scotland. There's some in America and Canada. You know, and then is it very, very traditional with many, 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 many Yidam practices every month or two? Or have the great master uh, essentialized it down like Sita Rinpoche encouraged the Kagyu retreats to have three Yidam practices instead of eight? It's mm. still a lot, but, you know, a little less complicated and a little more depth into three practices instead of eight during the year of the deity yoga practices, the yidam practices. Can you and then somehow Tibetan instruments and other rituals and pujas, and um, some don't. So, you know, some have a lot of the six yogas of Naropa, etc. Salam and Tigli, the, the inner and outer um, energy yogas and so on. Lightning yogas, and some less emphasis on that. So it depends on what you are looking for, and also what your teacher and you, you know, feel is good. What your teacher encourages you to do, etc. So there's a few thoughts. But then I have more particular thoughts, which I give to retreats all the time, since I lead probably 15 or 20 retreats a year, maybe 10 silent week retreats and 100-day retreat. And then some weekend retreats, you know, and they're not even silent, like at Omega Institute or wherever. Like to take it one day at a time. I know I sound like a 12-step guy, but that's good. It's a good 12-step. One day at a time, even Buddhist talking, one moment at a time. One session at a time. You know, wake every morning as if it's a new day and start again, because it is. And even every breath, a new breath, because it is. One moment at a time. That's not bad advice. Yeah. And not prepare. Not to compare yourself to others or compare this session to the last meditation session or this day to yesterday. And there are a few other, you know, little pithy instructions I would have about this from my many years of, let's say, of retreats. When, um, when you were in retreat, did you, did you monitor your own sort of psychology, your own psyche to, uh, you know, and, and were there any warning signs where you needed to like back off or take a day off or, you know, rest a little bit or anything like that? That's a good question. Um, since we're alone here, Lama, and, you know, and what, what happens on the Awakening website journal stays on the Awakening website journal. <laughs> you know, this part here. Um, you know, a three and a half year retreat, you go up and down, you cycle through everything. It's like college. <laughs> it's like college. It's a lake, but there's no vacations and there's no day off and there's no spring break and there's no going home. Of course, there's Vajra feasts and other things. So Fraternity there's, parties, as it were. Your visits, you know. But um, anyway, yes, um, I cycled through different things. You know, in the beginning, there was like the honeymoon period. I was well prepared. I lived in India in the 70s and completed the Vajrayana Foundation practices, the Nundros and things like that and other practices. I've been meditating for a long time, since the 68, really full-time since 71. So when I went in in 80, I was sort of prepared and knew some good Tibetan, you know, decent Tibetan and other things. So honeymoon period of how great it was, and then the great masters were there. And then after a while, you know, 
it's not the honeymoon anymore. You get down to the marriage, and then the, the shit comes up. <laughs> it's the yeah. right being on honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there... It's a slippery thing, that ego. So it starts getting squeezed by the practice. And this is just one little metaphor. It starts to jump around. So I, I'm a pretty... I'm a Capricorn. I have, a, I have like, um, four wheels on the ground, you know. But I'm not up and down. I mean, I even had, like, a psychotic breakdown for, for a couple hours sitting on my meditation seat in my room in about year two or three. And I remember as I was going down, I never told you, you're going to find this in my books. I'm sitting there in my, in my box, my meditation seat, because I'm going to bed and sit up at night. Anyway, it was the afternoon session from uh, 3 to 5.30 p.m. alone. And I could see the, the glue, you know, of my cosmos coming unglued. I've had a few um, uh, drugs in my day in the 60s and 70s, so, you know... I, I, so I kind of observed myself getting a little kind of psychotic and losing it. And I was just, but I just all I have to sit here and hold on to my mala and, you know, say my mantra, whatever I was doing. Was and that? I kind of went into, you know, into um, uh, mind, uh, no mind, but it wasn't good. It wasn't like Buddha mind. It was um, like a little psychotic break, which I never experienced before, even on psychedelics. So that was a good experience because it didn't last more than, I don't know, a half hour, an hour, two hours. And then at the end of the session, I went to the 5.30, one hour evening, prayers, chants, my food and all, and it was gone, and it was very interesting. So everything from heaven to hell and in between, enlightenment experiences and, you know, not liking the, the monk next door, to, you know, like I said, I call it, it's three and a half years. <laughs> what um what did you do i mean what what did you go to refuge for when you were feeling like really whacked out and loony you know the term loon right the 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 you know the 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 winds are running like crazy you know the prana is weird i don't get that that much Maybe what i just said sounds like loony i don't know that could be long i gave you the psychological explanation so i said psychotic um yeah Refuge is a good way of talking and thinking about it. You know, go to, take refuge in um, in the triple gem and things like that. Um, I think I don't know. I'm a Zen practitioner. I like to take refuge in Rigpa in the natural state mm. and just drop into it. You know, like. In, like, directly into the presence of God, like like Buddha said, and being totally present with and in and as whatever is. But what if what is is like a psychotic, uh, you know, derangement? If I get in trouble, I you know, like like Dujumrinpoche said, there's a quote from him. When I Dujum, the great Zen master Dujumrinpoche like said, when I'm distracted, I chant the whole hundred syllable mantra. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. I, I think of that and it cheers me up and it's very focusing. I think of him, I feel hard open and chant the hundred syllable mantra or something where maybe I do something physical like bow, mm. maybe I do something devotional like pray to the gurus and bring down the blessings, bring out the awaken the blessings, tune in, you know, um, return to or, 
appreciating the invisible array, as I call it, the entire lineage tree. Yeah. Remembering your motivation, maybe? Uh, bodhi, bodhicitta? No, that sounds good, but that's too <laughs> mental for me. No, <laughs> no I don't give a shit about anybody. <laughs> All right. But yeah, bodhicitta is good. You know, I'm just saying, everybody has a different way of expressing it. Yeah. Look, I, w I want to talk about a couple of other things, including your book. But one, one last question about long-term retreat. If, um, you know, if somebody came to you and said, look, I, you know, I work 52, 50 uh, weeks a year. I get two weeks off paid. Uh, why yeah. should I go on retreat instead of going to, like, Hawaii and check into a you know, five-star hotel and go swimming? Yeah. I, I, say, I didn't say you should check into a retreat and not go to Hawaii. I didn't say that. <laughs> yourself. You know, like, have you been to Hawaii before? Were you happy there? <laughs> what happened in that, you know, two weeks? How many times did you get drunk? Are you a blackout drinker? Or, you know, what? Or a gambler? Or did you have the time in your life? So, think about it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a Jewish jock from Long Island and my father's in the town, so I like to joke about this kind of thing. You know, like, look at the profit and loss side of things. Like, what, what are you going to get out of your two weeks in a hotel? And what's the downside? And what might you get out of, I don't know, two weeks in a retreat or in a nice um, healing yoga ashram or two weeks with an enlightened guru? Yeah, well, you like know... There are many ways to go deeper and be immersed in the spirit, not just meditation retreat. What about being with an enlightened guru for two weeks, like a saint? or sage, or the Dalai Lama type of person, or whoever your spiritual superhero or master-like person might be. Yeah. I think when you talk to a lot of, like, sort of, you know, ordinary people, if there are any such such things, that, you know, you tell them, you know, uh, one of the best, relax, most relaxing things you can do is to lock yourself up in a cabin for, uh, you know, a couple of weeks on end, at least, and uh, don't see anybody, and don't talk to anything, and you know, don't turn on the computer and don't, you know, turn on the cell phone. And they look at you like you're completely crazy, you know, especially in this day and age, right? We are crazy, but <laughs> you're the one that talks like that. That's the best thing you should do. I'm more like the guy that says, oh, you know, what do you really feel like doing? And, you know, like, you want to you wanna go to Hawaii? Good. But, you know, like, I love to go to Hawaii. And I sit on the beach and I, I don't try to meditate. I let the waves meditate me and they can wash everything away. So I'm introducing natural meditation or whatever. I'm not saying close your eyes and don't enjoy the sun and sit in the basement for your two weeks. And also, we have to remember where people are at and what they're looking for and relate to that, I think, don't we, Lama? You know, like some people are afraid, most of us, I guess, are afraid of looking at ourselves and being alone and looking into our darkness and we don't realize we might find a beautiful Buddha or goddess in there. We think we're just going to find a dark hole or neurosis is more worse or our fears or demons or our 